I invite you to take your Bibles with me this morning and open them to Isaiah chapter 53. Our scripture reading is Isaiah 53, and we'll read the entire chapter uh, together. So Isaiah 53, beginning at verse 1. Let's give our attention now to God's holy word. Who... Oh, forgive me, I should say that before we read, this chapter is a prophecy about the suffering and death of Christ. It is about the Messiah who would come and whose name would be revealed in the New Testament as Jesus. But this is, his, um, this is about his suffering on the cross. So, chapter 53, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, and that's the Messiah, Jesus, for he shall grow up before him, that's God the Father, as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. We thank you for this 
familiar passage that we have read many times, I'm sure. We pray that you may bless it to our minds and to our hearts and lives again today. Give us your spirit now. We pray that we may understand and that we may believe all that Christ has done for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, before we hold communion, I want to take some time with you to think through and about the death of Jesus Christ, which is the center of our communion, of course, and also our salvation. But I don't, we're not going to look at the death of, of Christ in, in general so much, but more specifically, focus, we're going to focus on God the Father's role in the death of his Son. Jesus was crucified, of course, as we know. And this is how it happened. This is all the people who were involved in it. He was betrayed by Judas, right? One of his disciples. Then he was arrested by Jewish soldiers. He was accused by Jewish religious leaders. Then he was tried and condemned to death by the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Then he was taken. He was led through the city and nailed to a cross and hung up in the air on the cross by Roman soldiers. And then he was mocked by those who were crucified with him and those who watched. It seems that many people had a hand in the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And indeed, there's even one more whose hand was invisible on that day and yet who played a very important part in the death and suffering of Christ, and that is God the Father. What part did God the Father play in all of this? Well, the prophet Isaiah here in chapter 53 tells us the large role that the Father had in the death of his Son. And I want to look especially just at the first words of verse 10 with you. Isaiah 53, verse 10 And these words, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Him is Jesus. So this is what God did then, the Father, at the crucifixion. He bruised Jesus. And it pleased him to do it. And if we weren't so familiar with, I think, with these words. It would strike us a lot more than it it does this morning. This would sound very strange to us. But again, this is the center of what the crucifixion is all about. If we understand this, the Father's role in the death of His Son, then we, we really grasp what happened when Christ died on the cross. It pleased the Lord... To bruise him. So as we think about this, I have two questions for us this morning. The first one is this. What does it mean that God the Father bruised him? What does that mean? Well, our New King James translation, following the the Old King James, uh, translates this word as bruise. Perhaps a more accurate translation, though, is from the Hebrew, is the word crush. That's the literal word in our up-to-date English. It's not just that he bruised him. He crushed him. 
So when Isaiah is saying this, uh, this verse, he says it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord to crush him. That's a lot harsher, isn't it? Even. The word crush is used elsewhere in the Old Testament to talk about when an army is completely defeated by another army. That they are crushed. And they are completely broken. And there's no army left after they're crushed. And all the men scatter. It's a complete, total defeat. That's this word that's used here for Christ. This is what God the Father did to his son, Jesus, on the cross. He crushed him. He broke him. He totally defeated him. How did he do that? When was Jesus crushed like this? Well, as he hung on the cross, Jesus experienced the judgment of God in his soul. While the soldiers were bruising and crushing his physical body, his outward body, his father was bruising and crushing his inward soul. And there, in his soul, Christ experienced the pains of hell. Which is what? What are the pains of hell? Well, the pains... Uh, of hell is, is the greatest pain in all the world. It's the pain we experience when God, our creator, the one in whom all our life is found, the one who sustains our life and our breath, when he forsakes us, when he turns his back upon us completely, when he removes his blessing from us, when he removes his love and favor from us, and instead of love and favor, there's only anger, and distance. That's a crushing blow. And that's what Jesus, his son, went through. And we know this, sadly, that there are many more ways to hurt someone than just outward physical pain, isn't there? And often, the inward pain that people can cause us is, is, is heavier than whatever they can do to us outwardly. That's what God the Father did to his son on the cross. He took away his favor and he showed him only anger. And at one point in great torment as he hung there, Christ cried out in the darkness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that crushing of his soul on the cross was so great that physically it also led to his suffering and even to his death. The Romans knew just how long it normally took for a person who was crucified to die. In fact, this is why it was one of their favorite methods of execution for the ancient Romans. Uh, they loved, they had, they had worked it out to a science how to draw out the pain as someone hung on the cross. It was a, a long warning to anyone who walked by, do not, do not do anything against the Roman Empire or this will be your long, slow death. They knew it was always a long, slow death, but it was not for Jesus. In six hours, he gave up his life. And Pontius Pilate himself, were told, marveled when he was told how Jesus died so quickly. But that's because it wasn't just the nails or the cross that killed Jesus. It was the Lord who crushed him that led to his death. But what we also need to realize as we think about this is that what Jesus experienced on that cross is what we deserve 
what you and I deserve because of our sin. The sin that comes out of our heart, the sin that comes out in the things that we think and the things that we say and the things that we do. You know that sin, don't you? You know your sin. We deserve to be crushed, soul and body, for that sin. Because sin is evil. And if there is any justice in God, evil cannot go unpunished before God. So we see in Jesus, on the cross, the crushing that we deserve for our sin, justly. But that's the answer then to our first question. That's what it means that God the Father bruised him. He crushed him on the cross, in, the, in soul, and then in body. But now the second question, and, and here's the more perplexing one, perhaps. It's not just that God the Father crushed him, but Isaiah tells us here this. It pleased the Lord to do so. Why? How could God be pleased to do that? I mean, let's be honest, that doesn't sound right, does it? It sounds wrong to say that. And please, it also, it means something like delight. But think, how could a father delight in crushing his son like that? To death. It makes us uncomfortable to think about, doesn't it? A little? Maybe a lot? It should. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable. Because the Lord Jesus really suffered. And he really died. But it's in this uncomfortable truth where we find not only our greatest hope, but we find our very salvation. And this is why we can celebrate, even this morning, the Lord's Supper. As we remember the death of Jesus. Because God was pleased. Now, rest assured, it wasn't a delight as in, as in, this is great, I can't wait to do this. No, there is a way that we can be pleased to do something, even though we know it's going to be hard and unpleasant and even terrible because of the results, right? That, that, that come out of doing it, the, the outcome. And that's the way in which God was pleased because of what would come out of it, the outcome. So, so what, could, what could possibly please God? What outcome could possibly please God enough to crush his son? Well, let me give you two reasons. Two reasons. This is the first one. Think of this. It allowed God, when he crushed his son, it allowed him to show us his character. In the cross, in the crushing of his son on the cross, God shows us his character. Right? What's his character? What do we see displayed? Well, the Bible says that God is good, that he is just. Sin, we know, is evil. The Bible also says it's a moral evil. And what king, think of this, what king, if he is good and just, will let evil continue without punishment? What would we think of God if he let evil go in this world and did nothing about it? We would think he's either uh, no king at all, if he can't do anything about it, he has no, no power to do it, uh, or he's a bad king, if he doesn't want to do anything about it. He's either powerless or, or he's bad himself. 
what would we think of a country where people could murder freely and all the authorities did was look on, look on it? Or, or, or thieves were allowed to break in and steal whenever they wanted and there was never any consequences. What, what would you think if you lived in a country like that? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? You'd be, let's move. We need to move. We don't want to live here. We'd hate it. Corruption would rule if evil was allowed to rule. It's not a good thing if God would let sin go unpunished. But God is good. And he is just. And in the crushing of his son on the cross, as a punishment for sin, God declares to us, this is who I am. I am good. I am just. Under my rule, evil will be dealt with, and no one will get away with it. I will even crush my son. And if you've never thought of this, this character of God and how it shines forth in the cross, we need to know this. This is a great encouragement to the Christian life. If we're going to trust God, if we're going to believe in Him and entrust our lives to Him and our families' lives to Him, we need to know that He is good and He is just. We need to know who we're believing in. We need to have that confidence in who we're following. That his, we need to know His character. That He will punish evil. Even evil done against us, but all evil in this world. And the cross shows us then, He is good and He is just. So far from being corrupt, he will even punish his own son. Now, you might think, and I'm sure you're thinking, well, how is it good and just to punish Jesus? Right? Wasn't he innocent? He never sinned. He never did anything wrong. Well, this is where another characteristic of God is, is wonderfully on display in the cross. Not only his goodness and his justice, but also his mercy and his love. Because the Bible tells us Jesus Christ was punished and he suffered at the hands of his father. Why? Because he voluntarily went and offered himself to take the place of sinners like you and me. To take their punishment. He volunteered to go and take their punishment upon himself. He took the punishment of hell on the cross to save sinners like us. But he, he was innocent. But he said to his father, put their sin on me. Crush me. Save them. And so on the cross, God shows us he is good and just. Sin and evil will be punished. But he also shows us this. He is full of mercy and full of love and kindness and gentleness towards us. This is who God is. If you want to know more about God, if in your relationship with God you wonder, you say, do I, do I know him? Look at the cross. Go and read the Gospels. Read Isaiah 53. See what he did on the cross for sinners like you and me. This is who he is. In full display, just and good and yet merciful and loving. What happened on the cross should give everyone confidence that he is one we can trust. He is one we can follow. The father gave his son in the place of sinners. The son selflessly gave himself knowing he was going to be crushed. 
This is God's character. And he is perfect. And he is glorious in his character. You know, when the, the queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon, right? She had heard, she had heard something about how wonderful and glorious Solomon's kingdom was, right? So she came and she drove her chariot all the way up to see him. But do you know what she says after she left or when she saw him and then, and then left? She says this. She said, only the half was told me. In other words, Solomon's glory, once she actually saw it for herself, was far greater than anything anyone had told her before. And it's the same with God's character. When we go and we read of the cross of Jesus in Scripture, and we meditate upon what Christ has done there, and what God the Father has done there to His Son in our place, we find that His He is far more glorious in His character than we have ever thought before. The half is not told us. It pleased the Lord to crush Him. One, because it shows God's character. But there's also a second reason. It pleased the Lord to crush His Son, Jesus, because it saved a people. Right? This is the outcome. He's pleased because of the outcome. Here's the second outcome. It saved a people. In crushing his son, he gave a people eternal life instead of eternal death. God was pleased to turn his back on his son for a season so that he could gain millions of sons and daughters for an eternity. When Christ was crushed, His people's sins were crushed with him. If you belong to Christ, if your faith and your hope is in Christ, this is where your salvation was achieved. This is where it was accomplished. This is where you were saved. When Christ went through hell on the cross, he saved you from that hell, from that crushing. Back in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Healed. Healed from what? Healed from sin. And so saved from the punishment that sin deserves from a good and just God. Jesus went and was crushed to save you from being crushed. Can you, can you think of anyone doing anything greater for you than this? Can you picture, can you say anything greater that anyone has ever done or will, could possibly do for you than this? God crushed crushed his son and he says to you here I was pleased to do it for you I was pleased to save you pleased to to give you peace I was pleased to crush him who wanted to take your place so that I could heal you 
It pleased the Lord to crush him. We get the impression here that he, if, he, if he had to do it all over again, not that he does, but if he did to save you, he would. He would do it again and again and again. He would choose it every time. It pleased him. Both God the Father and God the Son display great love to sinners on the cross. Jesus himself would say, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. And he shows us that on the cross that he is your friend. He is a friend to sinners. To you and me. And so I urge you to bring all your sin to him. Don't hang on to your sin. Bring all your sin to him and have it crushed. So that you can be saved. This is why, therefore, God bruised Jesus. And this is why... It pleased him to do so. And that is the role then that God the Father played in the death of his son. This is one thing we remember. We ought to remember anyway as we commemorate. When we eat and drink in communion together. It pleased the Father to crush him. Here's, here, here's a third question really for us this morning. It pleased the Father to crush him. Does it please you? Is it pleasing enough to you to come, to bring him your sin and say, Lord, I will eat and drink in remembrance of you, thanking you and praising you for your display of justice and goodness and love and mercy. Does it please you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the cross of Christ, but also thank you for Isaiah 53, for showing us your invisible hand and role in the death of your Son. And it is, in one way, very uncomfortable for us, very striking, sober for us to read, to think about, what Christ experienced, we cannot possibly realize fully. The suffering he bore in the place of sinners. Though he was innocent. And yet on the other hand, O oh Lord, with its soberness, there is also great joy here. We thank you. We do celebrate the Lord's Supper. For you, O oh Lord, were willing. You were willing. It pleased you to crush your son. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, it pleased you to give yourself for us. And therefore we celebrate and we give you thanks for we are undeserving of your love and mercy. But it is given it, shown to us here in, in wonderful glory. Thank you for all you've done. Help us, O oh Lord, to put our trust in you and indeed forgive us all our sin, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.